0: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Friends with Employee Benefits and HR. Uh, Thanks for being with us again and sticking with us. We are now five episodes into this podcast, and as the saying goes, time flies when you're having fun. We're definitely having a lot of fun doing this podcast, and I'm so glad you're joining us again. We're going to dive right in because the topic here is really uh, an interesting one and a very, very hot topic, and it is paid family leave and leave management and specifically we're going to get into some recent laws passed in Connecticut as well as neighboring states. So listen, leave management has taken the Northeast by storm recently. In New York 2017, they passed some paid family leave legislation. Massachusetts 2019, and now of course here in good old Connecticut, uh, we've recently passed paid family leave legislation. So as an HR manager, keeping track of state legislation as well as national leave trends it's essential to better support your employees as these paid family leave laws become more and more prevalent and life becomes more and more complex in how we administer these laws so it's a puzzle it's confusing and to help to help us solve that puzzle i'm really excited to have a couple friends from uh, the guardian with us so uh so rich lombard sales consultant at the guardian rich Glad you're with us. You want to take uh, 30 seconds and introduce yourself. Tell us what you're what
1: you're doing with the Guardian. Sure thing, Jeff. Thanks so much for having us on. Uh, really excited to be here. So, I'm a sales consultant here out of the Hartford office. I work in Connecticut um, as well as Massachusetts. Uh, really trying to stay close to the developing Connecticut paid family leave law. Uh, we've seen it in Massachusetts. Uh, it's hitting home now. Uh, so, making sure that uh, I'm staying up to date, so that I can inform you and help your clients on uh, on staying compliant and finding some solutions. Thanks for being here. And we also have with us
0: Jeff Waska, regional director at the Guardian. Jeff, thanks for being here, and why don't you take thirty seconds and introduce yourself?
2: Great. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for having us. Uh, Jeff Waska, regional director for upstate New York as well as Connecticut, and New England. So, in the hotbed of paid family leave. We, you know, as an organization, Guardian's uh, really committed to paid family leave laws. Uh, We have a lot of capabilities to help clients uh, as a leading provider in the paid family leave space. And we're really excited to be able to speak to it today and hopefully uh, help the Connecticut uh, market understand a little bit more about paid family leave.
0: Great. So Jeff, what's the current trend with paid family leave across the country? I touched on it a little bit in, in my intro, but why don't you expand on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so it's first looking at some of the demographic changes that are happening, right? So we have a multi-generational workforce in the United States and a really robust economy. So companies are trying to attract and retain employees. And one of the most popular benefits is paid family leave. So we do uh, a variety of different studies and we have a, one of our most recent kind of white papers was uh, what, what employees want in terms of benefits. And 58% of them said they want more leave, paid leave for things like bonding as well as taking care of family members so these are extremely popular employees want them legislatures are passing paid family leave laws right they're listening to their constituents and in fact our ceo deanna mulligan recently inked an article for forbes talking about the importance of paid family leave laws and in retracting and retaining uh, employees
0: so employees are specifically out there looking for I guess richer benefits that that allow them more flexibility to to take care of themselves and their family members when 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 they need to do that.
2: This is exactly what's happening, yes. and the legislatures are passing these laws. So there's eight states now that currently have a paid family leave law, huh. and there's twenty with uh, laws pending. So if you kind of look at it, five years from now, you know we we'll probably have around two thirds of the country with an individual state paid family leave law.
0: So eight states. Those eight states now include. Uh, uh, Connecticut, New York, Massachusetts. Correct. And then, and then there's there's five others who have passed law already, and twenty pending. Correct. Yeah, is it ge- is it geographically at, at all concentrated? Like you know, and then we've got so there's three right here in the Northeast. Yep. You know, is there any kind of pattern to it?
2: Yeah. So far, it's been you know the West Coast mm-hmm. and then the Northeast yep. uh, have been leading the the charge with paid family leave, but other states. You know, it's spreading and, and other states are uh, looking at adopting or passing laws.
0: This has to have a huge impact on the business and specifically on the, uh, you know, the disability insurance business nationally then, right?
2: Yeah, it's completely changing uh, how we operate, right? How employers are going to offer benefits. So the paid family leave portion make people think that it replaces short-term disability or does my short-term disability policy cover this paid new paid family leave law and the answer the majority of the time in these days, is it doesn't so because the paid family leave law although similar almost like a cousin to short-term disability benefits is a different benefit altogether. so you have to really re-engineer your benefits package to include and incorporate paid family leave laws
0: yeah so is it impacting so it's impacting your business the business of disability insurance and family leave management but what about businesses in general across the country? Is this, are, is this wave of, is this trend toward paid family leave impacting business in general in the, in the country? Yes,
2: yeah, so we, and what we're finding is that in particular, it's making it more challenging for employers to be compliant with the state plans, hmm. right? So think about a Connecticut-based employer. They may have employees also in New York and in Massachusetts, right? They're, they're bordering both. And if you have employees in all three states, you now have three new paid family leave laws that you need to be in compliance with, okay. and then manage through when folks are out taking through, taking those laws or right. taking those benefits.
0: Well, yeah, and even if you're even if you're an employer based in North Carolina, but you've got employees in in Connecticut or Mass or in, in one of the other eight states, right? It's impacting them as well, and it's made it more complex for them to manage their leave programs.
2: Correct. The majority of the laws have one, if you have one employee and that's working in that state, then they're going to qualify for the paid family leave in that particular state.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and few and far between, it seems are those employers these days who have everybody concentrated in one state. So, I mean, it's almost who is not impacted by this. It's, it's a, almost nobody. Right. So, I, I mean, let's get to Connecticut then And Rich, You might want to kind of take the lead on this, but so there's a new Connecticut paid family leave law on the books right now. And and as it stands today, what what do you think, Richard, the biggest changes from any previous legislation uh, that might have
1: existed in, in Connecticut? Yeah, so part of what makes the Connecticut legislation interesting and a little bit different than what we've seen um, in Massachusetts specifically, because I know that's front of mind for a lot of people, is Connecticut already has the family and medical leave law in place, has their own family medical leave law in place. Now, it's not paid. Right. but it's similar to the federal FMLA in that it offers certain job protections and certain rights for employees. So the most recent act passed this summer, uh, which is separate from the existing state family and medical leave law, includes that paid family medical leave insurance program. Now that's what's gonna be providing the income replacement benefit um, for leaves that are taken and approved through this existing law. So at the same time, In addition to this paid benefit program, there is an amendment which is making big changes to the existing family medical leave law uh, that was passed, and that's going to be going into effect at the same time in 2022. Uh, This needs to be considered really for all employees in Connecticut because there's major changes, including the expansion of who's covered under the law, both on the employer and on the employee side, uh, changes to leave entitlement, how long you can be out for um, as well as some interesting definition changes that really expand the reasons why a covered employee might be able to go out on leave.
0: Yeah. Well, so let's unpack, uh, unpack that a little bit. So you, the first thing you mentioned was, like, essentially who's eligible. So who, who's eligible now?
1: Who's going to be eligible once the law goes into truly a fact? Sure. So under the current law, Connecticut employers with 75 or more employees uh, are considered covered. Now, there's a few exclusions there right, state, municipal employers, but for the most part, 75 or more employees for private uh, employers in Connecticut. Under the, so under the current law, under it's the, not paid. It's not paid. Correct. And not paid. just, right. Not paid, just for just under the current law for the job protection. Just right. 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 So now when this amendment passes, uh, going into effect in 2022, that's going to move from 75 down to one. So needless to say- Sole proprietor. Correct. Right. right. So the, the number of employers in the state that are going to be impacted by the Connecticut family and medical leave is, is going to go up dramatically Yeah,
0: exponentially right yeah right
1: now on the employee side in order to be considered covered as the legislation's currently written you have to be employed for 12 months um, with the same employer have completed at least a thousand hours of service during the 12 months preceding your day of leave similar language to what you might see with the federal FMLA program however in 2022 when all of these changes pass that's going to be amended to now include employees that have been employed for three months, and they're going to remove the service hour requirement altogether. So, so, wait, goal- so wait, let me just stop you. So, okay.
0: So you could be on the job for a company that employs three people for three months, and now you're eligible for family leave benefits. Correct under the new under the new amendment and the new laws
1: correct yep when when these changes go into place in 2022 in that instance you'd be looking at a covered employee for a covered employer yep so it's greatly expanding the scope of the covered employers in connecticut at the same time greatly expanding the scope for employees as well so uh, so how does it get funded so in connecticut the the insurance program is completely funded by employees Um, the employers are still tasked with collecting and remitting the contributions Uh, To the fund, Uh, but beginning January 1st, 2021, a full year before the benefits go in force, uh, each employee is going to be contributing a percentage of their subject earnings um, capped at the Social Security contribution base limit. Um, And that percentage can't exceed one half of 1%, which is interesting. And I bring it up because it's a little different than what we've seen in other states, specifically in Massachusetts. The authority who's going to be running the program. Um, is really tasked with establishing this fund to collect the contributions and distribute them for benefits. And it's somewhat unique because of that cap, because in the instance that it's determined that the fund is not solvent or sufficient to pay the benefits, they can actually reduce those benefits down to make sure that it's it's enough to pay um, the benefits. Yeah, so
0: the cap... They they cap the premium contribution for lack of a better term, right? Or the payroll deduction, payroll tax, whatever you want to call it. They cap that, but then the benefit is adjustable to keep the plan
1: solid. Correct. So they'll they'll set the contribution limit when the plan when the plan starts. If they determine that it's not enough, they do have the authority to increase it, but they can never increase it above that half a, half a percent. percent because and if if it does get to a point where they would need to, instead of increasing it, they're going to actually reduce the benefits paid out to and to the, to the minimum level to make sure that the fund is solvent. Yeah, yeah. Well, so can we talk about as as it's written today, what the benefit or
0: how much income replacement that there, there there will be? Is it is it is it? A simple calculation, uh, which would probably make sense to you and me and the average
1: layperson, or does it get a little complex? No, ended? it's never simple. Uh, <laughs> never simple. <laughs> especially, especially if you're accustomed to looking at a, a private short-term disability plan that would have, you know, a stagnant 60 percent benefit percentage, a stagnant maximum of a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars. Um, most of these programs we're finding are built around. Um, multiples of either minimum wage or average weekly wage. In the instance of Massachusetts, and it makes sense, I suppose, to do that because you know instead of having to change the law every few years to increase the maximum, you're you're really making it um, attached to something that is going to increase over time, anyways. Um, if you sat down and tried to read through the compensation formula as it's written, uh, you'd probably twist yourself into a pretzel. Um, I can do my best to explain it. So. Yes. Assuming, so the minimum wage we know is scheduled to go up in Connecticut, right? Over the next several years, it's scheduled to go up to $15. So let's say for the sake of this conversation that the minimum wage is $15. Uh, the insurance program is set to replace wages at a rate of 95% of the first 40 times your minimum wage. So what does that mean? If we assume a $15- It ma- means I need my calculator. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> if you assume a $15 an hour minimum wage, 40 times that is around $600 a So for the first $600 a week someone earns, that's replaced at 95%, okay? Above that $600, it's replaced at 60%. So if we take an example, someone's earning $900 a week, the first $600 replaced at 95%, the additional $300 is replaced at 60%. There is a maximum, and that maximum is 60 times the minimum wage. So if we use $15 an hour as an example, you'd be looking at about $900 Nine hundred dollars a week is the maximum.
0: A week, yeah. And so when when I read the 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 reg or the the legislation, it was a little. I I first thought like, wait, that you're taking the fifteen dollars per hour rate times the 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 multiple, and that's the. But it's the weekly max is going to be assuming fifteen dollars an hour is nine hundred dollars. That's correct. Right? That's correct. Um, so. so It's this really so we're going from an environment where uh, a lot of employers offer employer-paid short-term disability coverage to their employees. No, and in many many cases, there's a basic short-term disability plan that's not costing the employees anything, right? Not all the time, but but it's it's fairly common, uh, particularly larger employers, that that there's a basic short-term disability benefit being offered, employer-funded. We're flipping this to really a benefit that is employee-funded through this payroll tax, Correct. I guess, if you will, right? And if the typical short-term disability weekly benefit max is $1,500, this is actually
1: sort of a reduction in benefit. Am I misreading this? No, or- the, these are you're right, and these are the conversations that employers – are starting to have and if they're not they need to have regarding their current disability plans. right uh, guardians very cognizant of that we're we're very much in front of making sure we are going to be providing any type of enhanced or wrapped plan because while this is being touted Connecticut is being touted as one of the more generous programs and it certainly is in the in the country to your point it still may not be enough there still may be an income replacement gap for some earners right so there's still right. an opportunity for some type of a separate short term disability plan uh to to compensate for that
0: yeah so it is it is generous the ninety five percent i guess is generous relative to a, a typical short term disability Absolutely. policy right uh and and so but for those who who are earning a little bit more that
1: that weekly max is is really gonna is really gonna hit them yeah, and yeah. those are those are the uh like i said those are the conversations that need to be starting to have your yeah. head right now yeah. um and be prepared to find a solution yeah. that's going to help fill oh, that gap fill that gap so rich is
0: the so you're saying that if this is now an employee funded program can employers chip in though if they want to in the state of connecticut it, and, and jeff you might want to chime in on what's going on in massachusetts as well on that but but does it have to
1: be 100% funded by the employee No, nope. the employee can't or the employer can can pick up the cost absolutely and we expect a lot will I yeah. mean, especially those that are currently offering a paid short-term disability plan there's nothing stopping them from picking up the cost um, in Massachusetts there is an employer portion that is required um, Jeff I can pass it to you and you can talk a little bit more about that
2: yes yeah, so it depends on the size of the customer uh, mm-hmm. by the way the law is written in Massachusetts but basically over 25 employees. The employer is required to pay a certain percentage of the the premium. But in essence, it goes back to the original kind of opening comments of, as an employer trying to attract and retain employees, and these laws are very popular, we see a lot of employers paying for the premium.
0: But I think you said in Massachusetts, the employees... Is it the employees that have to pay some portion of it, or the employers that have to pay some? The
2: the, the, in Massachusetts, unlike Connecticut, the employer is required is to required. pay a portion of the, bene- of the benefit over right. 25 lives.
0: Right, okay. I mean, you could see where this could get really confusing. Yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> even
0: if you have employees just in two states, Mass, and I'm sure New York's different, right, Jeff? Right. Very, so, different. Okay, very different. Okay, so but let's not even go there. You got employees in Connecticut and Mass. It's like, well, okay, so I, as the employer, want to be able to chip in, but there's rules in Mass that might not align with what's going on in Connecticut. And I, I, I might, you're right, I'm turning my, my head's kind of turning into a pretzel, Rich, as I start to think about, about how this would be administered.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, keep in mind too, you've got Rhode Island that's had statutory disability plans for years as well. New Jersey's not that far away. It's not uncommon at all for us to see groups that have locations in any number of those states. Coordinating it becomes incredibly confusing for us to talk about, yeah. let alone uh, an HR professional who has this to deal with, as well as any number of other things. Well, yeah, and
0: if you're if you're a if you're a ten employee firm, you don't have a full time HR. Likely one person dedicated to HR that, that that can keep track of this stuff. Like, what what does an employer do about that?
2: Yeah. So and it's it, what we saw. and We saw at first it was New York State and now we're seeing it in Massachusetts and soon to be in Connecticut, is that the drive to outsource FMLA and absence administration, which will put PFL under that umbrella, that that happens very quickly. It's uh, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, the old adage. And what we saw in New York, for example, is a rush for employers to outsource the absence management and take this complexity uh, and compliance issue away from them to, to, uh, to, Industry professionals that do this every day.
0: Yeah, it, and it is a compliance issue, isn't it? Because because if you if you're inconsistent with your application of, of, of your of how you administer this, you're going to get into some trouble. You could potentially get into some trouble uh, with labor laws and with the law with the leave laws itself, right?
2: Co- correct. Yeah. So that's the that's one of the advantages to outsourcing it to yeah. to uh, carriers that that provide that service.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the, the,
2: this is what they do day in and day out. Yeah, yeah. We equate. I equate it to. It's you know, if you need to have heart surgery, you'd go to the cardiologist that's done it. You know, a hundred thousand times the surgery. You're not going to the medical student who hasn't decided if they want to be a cardiologist
0: or not. <laughs> well, for a big enough discount. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, in Massachusetts and probably New York, am I am I remembering this correctly? That there were a lot of changes to the legislation. That, that happened, you know, so from the point that it was passed to the point that it was finally actually enacted. And so the, the, and maybe I'm assuming incorrectly, but I think that it's not right to think that the current form of the Connecticut legislation is exactly what we're going to end up with.
2: Am I? Yeah, it'd be the correct assumption, right? And yeah. and just like any law, not just an in insurance and paid family leave, but yeah. any law, there's regulators have to clarify and provide the regs. Yeah. And that's going to happen in Connecticut in terms of what exactly that it, is in the law. What is, how does this mean and how is this applied to both the employees right, yeah. of these customers and um, of the clients and, and employers? Yeah. So there's still a lot of unknowns, right? right? That, but that in Connecticut specifically, this is going to happen very quickly, right? So yeah. The, I know Rich had originally mentioned you know the law goes into effect 1122, so it sounds like there's a lot of time. Yeah. But 1121 is when deductions start to go into the state plan, mm-hmm. right? So it's not that far off. So, if you kind of back the timeline out, you need to start looking at this sometime in the summer of 2020. And a best practice that we've seen uh, based on New York and now Massachusetts and again, soon to be Connecticut is you don't want to be waiting until the very end. It's like sitting in rush hour traffic, which no one wants to do, including me. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you're sitting, waiting in line with everybody else. You really want to get in front of outsourcing uh, and talking through how does your benefits program need to change and adapt? to attract and retain employees and deal with the uh, absenteeism that will result as of from pfml people using the benefit
0: well yeah that's another thing altogether right is is this could lead to addition you know so in, increases in, in employee absenteeism you know so just going back to the analogy of rush hour traffic if you're an employer in Connecticut, you really want to – let, let's let's get on the road at 6 a.m. Don't wait until 7.30, right? right. we, we got to get out ahead of this. But do we know yet in Connecticut? So in Massachusetts, you can actually go to a private plan. You don't – the employer doesn't have to participate in the in the state plan, right?
2: Correct. Is it the same going to be true in Connecticut? So there is – in the legislation, there is the ability to waive out of the state plan yep. in Connecticut and into a private plan.
0: And and as it stands today, anyway, that the legislation will allow for that. Correct. And, and Guardian's going to, I mean, it seems like you guys have really leaned in on this and taken a lead and you're, you're one of the carriers that's offering private plans where, where these state laws exist. I assume you probably wouldn't be here if you didn't plan on being, being here in the market in Connecticut as well.
2: Yeah, we're, we're definitely monitoring Connecticut. Yeah. We're very interested in Connecticut. I mean, and, and uh, you know, we joke internally instead of PFL, you know, we call it GFL, Guardian Family Leave, because <laughs> we're so entrenched, you know, from our executive leadership uh, on down and, and have a lot of scale and expertise in this space to help our help our customers. Yeah,
0: yeah. But you, you left yourself with an out there, right? You're intrigued by Connecticut. But my point, I guess my question was, like, do we even know yet what private plans are going to be available and what they're going to look like and what what they're going to cost?
2: Yeah, so not yet. Not yet. So that because and part of it is 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 there's no. The regulations aren't finalized. Yeah, so we need to review right. regulations. They can change, uh, and adapt to them, uh, and then make a final determination.
0: Yeah. Uh, because I know that you know, I personally have clients now that are asking, you know, wait, is my is my current ST short term disability plan will that suffice? Like, am I gonna? And and we were talking about this before. Like, we know the answer is no.
2: And that's the key is what I was talking about through the timeline of. It sounds like one one twenty two is you know far out, but mm-hmm. really it's going to be the summer of twenty twenty that we're going to be working through this in Connecticut to figure out. You know, although the regulations are finalized, and then. You have some advanced notice to work through what are the best options as a Connecticut based employer, or well, that might be the state plan. Mm-hmm. It very well could be. Or is it waving out into a private plan? And what does that look like? What's that process? And ideally you want to have that happen before one one twenty one because that's when the deductions for the state plan start. Right. So you need to make a decision
0: before. Minimally before one one twenty one as to whether you're going to participate in the state plan or a pri- or, or purchase a private
2: plan. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And, and are there and are there carriers that are going down and particularly the the, the outsourcing of family leave uh, was an up was an up thing. Larger employers, 250, 300 more employees. Uh, are, are there carriers um, that are going to be willing to to manage leave down to the ten twenty life level or what
2: yeah so we traditionally absence management fmla management outsourcing has been for the larger customers you yep. get to find that in, you know thousand plus 500 plus yeah uh, guardian has a unique solution that we go down to 50, 50 employees yep. that's where the federal fmla law is so that's, right. where, that's where you go to and you need a lot of scale on that space to make it worthwhile for the customers yeah uh, and to bring that expertise uh, we're all in on it you know we're, we're very committed to that space we think as i mentioned in the earlier comments that paid family leave is gonna be in a number of different states over the next few years, yeah. and we wanna be positioned well to, to help our customers uh, there. Is it gonna go down to 10 lives, to your question? I kind of doubt it that you're gonna right. see that outsourcing uh, down there, but the, the, one of the big best practices or the number one takeaway, I'd, I'd say from our experience in New York and, and now Massachusetts, is to get in front of the absence management outsourcing. Right? Yeah, now, I do use rush hour traffic, but you don't wanna wait till 1-121 or 1-122 when you could start outsourcing it prior to the Connecticut law taking effect and have that all set up. Right. So when the law does go into effect, you're kind of checking that box, getting yeah. into whatever solution works for you as the, as the client and not having to worry about, well, now I also need to implement compliance around absence management. So you want to get way ahead of it. Yeah, the yeah. good news is you have time to do so now.
0: So that's a, I think that's a great idea is first establish your your, your leave management administration outsource that if you can, if you're so, larger employer should be able to do that, get that because the implementation of, of an outsourcing of, 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 of leave management is there's some work that goes mm-hmm. into it or right? it takes a little bit of time. You can't do this in, in, in 10 days. So, so we could start planning for that now and then figure out how to, how to address the kinetic paid family leave legislation, uh, you know, ahead of one, So interesting. But so. Uh, back to Connecticut. And uh, I had went off on a tangent, but I, I intended to get back to this, which is, is there anything else about the Connecticut law in its
1: current state anyway, that makes it unique? Sure. And going back to what we talked about originally, there is a current law in place, mm-hmm. right? So that is a little bit different. So I think that's going to help expedite some things because there's a framework here. Um, but some of the other changes that are pretty significant outside of what we talked about already, which is expanding the scope of the eligible employers and the employees is there's changes even to the duration of the leave right now in Connecticut. You can take up to 16 weeks in a 24 month period. That's changing. That's now going to 12 weeks in a 12 month period. They're actually adding an additional two weeks uh, that you can have for any type of incapacitation that occurs during pregnancy. Um. So there's changes to the duration. There's also some major definition changes that are going to impact reasons for why you can take leave. Um, so, for example, they actually added definitions of things like grandchild, grandparent, sibling, which had not been in the law previously. Um, the definition of a parent actually changed to include parent-in-law. Um, most notably, and I think what's causing um, most of the um, the interest is they actually changed the definition of a family member to now include those whose close association the employee shows to be equivalent of those family relationships, which is about as vague yeah. as you can get. I was going to say, what does that mean? I, I think it's uh, it's up for interpretation, Yeah. right? And what's, which is what makes it very unique. Um, I say unique, but we have seen it in other states. I think California has something similar, um, but it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out in how the authority interprets that and how um, the precedent is set going forward for reasons why you can take that. Leave. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: It's, it seems it just leaves a lot for, so who's going to make that determination though? Like if it's it, uh, particularly on, you know, someone that's like a family member, they not really a family. What, what's the definition again? Uh, <laughs> whose close association
1: the employee shows to be equivalent of those family relationships. Yeah. So who makes that determination? The, the authority does. Um, and I think going back to the original point is that that can go a lot of different directions yeah right there can be a lot of different examples that are thrown out there um, and I think time will tell
2: So, and it's it's a topic that the regulators are gonna have to clarify right right and then that's and this has happened in other states with with paid family leave laws and you get some a a little bit tighter of uh, they're uh, gonna have
1: to to refine that definition And and that's all stuff that'll be done. I mean, we saw this in Massachusetts. The regulations, contributions were supposed to start in Massachusetts on July 1st, and the regulations were finished right around there as well. Right. So going back to talking about outsourcing lead management, those are conversations you can have now. You can only have so much control over how long it's going to take for the regulations to get finalized. So you can have those type of conversations now while you wait for everything to get tuned up. Um, And then once everything's finalized, you'll know how to move forward on that. Well, contributions were supposed to start in mass on
0: July correct and in the end it was in a, it was just October just which is this month right we're correct. still in October yeah correct <laughs> uh, time flies when you're having fun like I <laughs> said at the top of the top of the hour
2: the the other piece that is important to note that makes Connecticut pretty unique is the vote the what the vote of to vote into a private plan or not
0: With, who's voting
2: so the employees actually have the in the law the the uh, majority of the employees need to vote to opt into a private plan versus the state plan.
0: So the the decision to go into a private plan versus the state plan is not the employer's decision. It's the employee's decision. Is that what you're saying?
2: As the law is constructed today, it's going to be the vote by the employees.
0: Are any of the others, do any of the other eight states that have implemented paid family leave have that uh, same
2: most major. of them do not. New Jersey used to have a uh, provision where they had a vote as well. But they've yes. since kind of tried to sunset that yeah. because there's been some challenges.
0: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, my just, mind immediately goes, goes like, yeah, like structurally, administratively, how do you how do you do
2: that? It's very challenging.
0: Right? Get everybody in a room and ask them to raise their hands. Right. Yeah. So, so, so
2: exactly. It is, you know, what do you define it? The, the words in the law is the majority of employees. Like, how do you define majority? Is that just Connecticut-based employees? Right is that all total population? Is it only the majority of those that actually vote? So there's a lot of questions around this, which the regulators will do a great job in define uh, for us. But we'll we'll you know we'll work and we'll work through that with that.
0: Wow, interesting. So that's a yeah, that's a wrinkle. Probably a lot of people are not aware of. There are a lot of any size employer doesn't matter what size, whether you're. What, you know i guess if you're a, if an employer of one that's an easy vote to take right if you're a sole proprietor and the only and the owner of the company i guess you that luck should out take so all right so this goes into effect in connecticut if everything goes according to plan uh, they start assessing uh, january 1 2021 for benefits eligibility to begin january 1 2022 Okay. Correct. Correct. Just to make sure I have the timeline straight. So, but what, what should employers do? I mean, we talked about, okay, let's first make sure if you can, you're outsourcing your leave management, get that done. But what, what else, what, what do you suggest employers do today uh, to start making sure that they're going to be compliant with the Connecticut?
2: Yeah. So you, you want to, the, the outsourcing is, you know, number one. Yeah. Uh, number two is looking at if you have employees in other States, what's your philosophy around paid family leave? Right? If you have employees that are in you know, Wyoming and in Connecticut, and the law only applies to Connecticut-based employees, do you want to expand it to Wyoming-based employees, which doesn't currently have a law, right? So you need to start rethinking your paid family leave for your entire organization if, you have a, if you're a multi-state employer without laws in other states that require paid family leave. Right. And there's not a right or wrong answer. It's just what's your preference as the employer?
0: I, it's interesting, and I'm interrupting you, and I apologize. But you think about that; it's like, well, so if you're the if you're the folks in Wyoming, right, and you you realize you've got coworkers in Connecticut who get this paid family leave benefit, but your employer hasn't extended that same benefit to you, that's probably not going to go over so well. I, I mean, which I guess kind of is going to feed this this trend or this wave of each state now feeling like they have to get in line with
2: this to be competitive as a state. Yeah. That's, that's one of the reasons that you're seeing more of these PFL laws. And you're also seeing private industry is many companies are taking stances of just expanding PFL into, to all their employees, regardless of the state. So there's many examples uh, of it, you know, best buy care.com American express that are just doing national yeah. paid family leave programs for all their employees.
0: I mean, it would make it easier to administer for one thing, right? But then again, it's more expensive.
2: It, it, exactly.
0: And then we get, and then we get back to the issue of you know more absenteeism and, and people out. Yeah. yeah. Then what? What? I mean, at some point, does the federal government just say, okay, uh, uh, this is crazy? We've got fifty different laws with each. Why, why don't we just have a federal paid family? Leave? We have a federal family leave. It's not paid. And, and this is. I mean. I mean, you don't have a crystal ball, but are we going to get there some at some point? Do you think?
2: I wish I had a good answer for that. (laughs) Don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But down the road could, could it happen? Absolutely. Right.
0: So, so based on the experiences in the States that have had, that have had a paid family leave law on the books now for a little bit, you know, what impact should Connecticut employers expect to see in terms of uh, incidents of absenteeism and, and people actually, you know, being out of work?
2: Yeah. So and I know I mentioned in the beginning, we did a study and you know, 58% of people wanted more of these leave laws. So as a Connecticut-based employer, you should prepare that people are going to utilize these benefits, right? In Connecticut, they're going to be paying the premium, so they're entitled to it. And as a society, you know, the stigma of taking leave for, you know, things like parental bonding, uh, you know, 10 years ago, that might have been frowned upon, mm-hmm. right? Now, the, you know, society has changed. And that's not only do you have the right, and you're entitled to it, and you're paying for it. It's encouraged mm-hmm. to do so. So, you know, what we've seen in other states and likely occur in Connecticut is people are going to use those benefits. So, right. employers should be planning on how they work through not having that employee, obviously, they're working while they're out on their, on their leaves. Right. They're going to have to plan for that.
0: Not surprising. Okay, so anything else that employers need to be aware of in
2: the state of Connecticut or, or elsewhere on, on family leave, pay family leave? So, the other piece is so we talked about outsourcing, we talked about being what's your policy if you have employees outside of the state of Connecticut, right? Another one is because the benefit right now, we, you know, we're approximating, is going to be capped at around $900, right? But that's a fluid that will change. Uh, you're going to have some employees that still have a gap, right? And they would need more, more coverage. So looking through, working through, what does what does that look like? Because you could have potentially, you know, if you go into the state plan, you have the state plan, and then you have a wrap policy with a traditional short-term disability plan that makes up for the for the difference, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's kind of one option. So you need to start kind of looking at what does that look like as the employer as you offer benefits. Yeah, you know, but soon. that
0: wrap plan wouldn't cover, you know, your neighbor. If I want to go on leave because my, that would be more of a traditional. I've got a, a an illness or an injury or some disability that I need to be out short-term disability yeah right, be right. an STD wrap sort of plan or voluntary STD supplemental plan
2: exactly so that's that's kind of option one is you know you have the states administering it and then yep. and then you have a private insurer because the state or at least right now is not going to be off, most of the states do not offer a, a plan to wrap around it uh, as a short-term disability policy so you need to go to a private insurer you know, what we see many customers do is they say, Hey, we'd rather just have one entity administering these plans. It's a lot simpler to have our employees just file one claim, have the state paid family leave adjudicated by that particular uh, insurance company. And then they can ensure the, uh, the buy up or the wrap STD plan around it. Yeah. It's just a lot cleaner and a better customer experience. Yeah. So in, and
0: just so everyone's clear in, Guardian will go down to fifty lives for for uh, administering family leave, right? Correct. But you'll go, but but for your private plans covering, say, mass paid family leave, is it, are you still only fifty and above, or you'll go below for for? So it varies on the
2: state, and then there's different rules in each state. Yeah. But In Massachusetts, we go down to ten employees for the Massachusetts Paid Family Leave piece. Okay. And then outsourcing the federal FMLA and any state FMLA leaves, we go down to fifty lives. Got it. Okay.
0: All right. My my concern is that that you know twenty five employee firm that 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 they could get some help here, and it sounds like they can.
2: Yeah. It, yeah. The private market is filling that is filling, it's filling with, that need. Okay. All right. Anything else? Any other? Any other?
0: Uh, any other shockers for me here? I I kind of almost fell off my chair at the at the at the vote thing, but uh, <laughs> you got to make life interesting, right? Yeah,
2: there'll be a lot more to come. So yep. there's a lot more unknowns than knowns. Yeah. right? And this is and that's normal when these family leave laws happen because the regulators need time to uh, clarify yeah. the, the, the the law, and so it's gonna be. But it's very fast moving. And we talked about in the summer of 2020, a lot of this is going to come together, and you're going to really want to look at, you know, outsourcing your your as an employer. What is your philosophy around paid family leave in general? Yeah, right. And you know, in terms of the short-term disability plan, that's going to act as a wrap around a paid family leave plan. What does that look like for you as an employer?
0: Yeah. So we're going to have to have you guys back on, you know, sometime second quarter, second quarter next year, right? To kind of get the update. That's, that's my taste. So we got asked back, Rich. Good <laughs> it's job. A it's a date. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, cool. Listen, I always like to try to uh, get to know our guests a little bit uh, more on a personal level. But let's, uh, I'm going to get sort of a round of uh, rapid fire questions for you. Okay, Jeff, chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Ooh,
2: can I get a topping? I'll go chocolate.
0: Oh, topping. My last guest went with the topping thing. Yeah. Favorite
2: movie? I'll go Rocky Four.
0: Rocky Four. Oh. Why four? I can't ask him any follow-up questions. This is rapid fire. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Would you rather be able to fly or be invisible?
2: These are really good questions. I'll I'll go with fly.
0: And uh, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing?
2: I love working for an insurance company, so I really don't know. (laughs) I would uh, live on a beach somewhere. Uh, Just living on a beach. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Doing nothing. All right. And what would your one takeaway from this be, Jeff? Like if there was just one little blurb that you think an employer needs to take away, what in your opinion
2: would it be? It would be get ahead of it. Don't wait till one one twenty one. And look to whatever experts and professionals you utilize for employee benefits to help guide you through this process.
0: Great. Rich, ready? Got it. Your answer should be ready. Right right chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. All right. Favorite movie? I think it's got to be Dumb and Dumber.
1: I mean... <laughs> Is there a better one? <laughs> would you rather be able to fly or be invisible? I think fly. Uh-huh. And if you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? You know, I wish I could, I wish I was handy. I'd, I'd like to be like a, like a house, like a, like a builder,
2: you know, like oh, a
0: contractor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. but I'm not handy, so I can't do that. So right. I'm doing yeah, it sure. I'm you on that.
0: That'd be great.
1: Yeah. Finally, what's your one takeaway, your soundbite? Yeah, I think we'd, we're fortunate in Connecticut that we we are coming on the heels of Massachusetts, so we can learn from how that process went. Now it's never going to be exactly the same, but if we learned anything, it's everything's going to be very fluid. Things are changing. You got to you know, we're going to want answers sooner than we're going to get them. But the more you can do ahead of time to plan, um, like we talked about, the better and the better off you're going to be when things get finalized. Yeah, yeah. But we're all going to have to be flexible and pivot a little bit through this process.
2: Correct.
0: We Correct. Great. Hey guys, thanks for for joining. This is such a such a hot topic. I think this is this probably this episode is gonna break some records, I'm pretty sure for mm-hmm. uh, listenership. So thanks for joining us today. I really do appreciate it. If you want to learn more about Connecticut Paid Family Leave and Medical Leave Act uh, and how it affects your organization, just reach out to your local one digital team. We've also added a link to a helpful cheat sheet in the bio of this episode. so check that out. And of course, as usual, I got to remind you that if you like this episode, leave a review and make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't done that already, you want to be the first to know when a new episode drops. You don't want to miss anything. We've got some great episodes coming up. Um, so, So subscribe now. Thanks for tuning in. This has been yet another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits and HR.